This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 140, Christopher Nolan, and our interstellar movie review. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? Versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that He created something. So we have a creative God. This is Strangers of Aliens podcast. Hello, and welcome to Strangers and Aliens, the podcast about sci-fi, fantasy, Christianity, faith, pop culture, and story, and all that fun stuff. I'm Ben Avery, and I've been joined by... Dr. Jace O'Neill. And we are here to talk about Christopher Nolan, and especially the most recent Christopher Nolan film, Interstellar. So, uh, Dr. Jace, it's just you and me. Steve is not here. It's because he doesn't want to get spoiled. Totally. <laughs> Which I understand. I can empathize with that. Well, in this movie, uh, I'm just going to say this outright. We're going to walk through Christopher Nolan's movies, but when we get to Interstellar, we're going to be spoiling the movie. Um, there, I don't think there's any way to talk about it without spoiling it to really have a, a conversation about it. Uh, but I appreciated that I went into this movie not knowing much about it. Uh, would you... Did you get the same opportunity, Doctor Jace? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about it other than I, I knew it was um, exploring space. But that was it. <laughs> well, the title kind of gave that away. So, yeah, spoilers yeah. there. But <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I'll say this, uh, and maybe Doctor Jace, you can you can um, kind of answer the same thing. I'm not going to say how much or if I liked it, but I will say if you like sci-fi movies, you you. You should probably at least see it. Uh, if you like Christopher Nolan, you should go see it. How's that sound? Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. But we'll get into deeper thoughts about it at the end of the episode. Uh, first, we're going to talk about Christopher Nolan, though. So I don't know much about the man. Do you, Dr. Jace? I, I really don't. I, I know that his brother works with him on several of his projects. I know he's a very... Um, He's very interesting because he could probably have any job on the planet, but well, I know that there's a lot of fans who want him to direct a Star Wars film or a Bond film because he's a fan of both franchises, and he's kind of, I don't know, kind of killed that, at least that, that hope, because he likes to do his own projects, which is why I'm surprised he did the Batman franchise yeah but you know dr jace here's the thing with the batman franchise um have you seen the movie following i have not that's the only one i have not seen okay that's his first movie and since you haven't seen it we won't really spoil that at all um but there are batman references in the movie specifically there's like a, a door that has a batman 
uh, poster symbol on it. Well, you know, well, so he's obviously a fan of the Batman franchise as well, or at least the character. Yeah. Well, he, obviously, he he refers to himself as kind of this forty-year-old nerd who loves who gets geeked out about all these same films that all the a bunch of the rest of us, whether we're forty or not, like. And so he actually used to do these in-home movies of Star Wars. And, and okay, so that's that why, I did not know. Yeah, and so that's why a lot of Star Wars fans are like, oh, we really want to see a Nolan, even if it's a standalone in the universe of Star Wars, uh, which I think would be actually kind of interesting, um, him to take some obscure character and make something really <laughs> interesting out of it. A, a Nolan Chewbacca movie. Yes. You know, that, be, that, before the prequels. Yes. That, <laughs> when when um, Chewbacca went through his bald phase. Right, right. But it would start out and he'd have hair and then it would could, it would all of a sudden the next scene he's bald. And, and then the would, next scene and, he's got and, like just a little bit of hair and he just – And he wouldn't remember why. Right, exactly. Exactly. And, and then Han Solo would be in some early scenes but then yeah, it would just – it would just fall apart at the end and then, and then all of a the sudden it would thing, all be brought back together again. But the only thing we do know for certain is that – Michael Caine will be in the film. Yeah, that, and then at the end of the movie, it turns out Chewbacca is not really Chewbacca. Yeah, exactly. We thought we were watching a movie about Chewbacca, and it turns out it was actually about Lumpy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, so that's what that's what I know about Christopher Nolan. I find him to be uh, his films. He has a very unique um, directing style. Usually, they're not linear, uh, and they're also very cerebral, which you have to think on your toes. Yeah. Well, and that's true about the following is or, or I think it's just the following, not the following, but it's cerebral, it's it's not linear. It's a little confusing and since it was his first movie, like unlike Memento, which was confusing but intentionally confusing, uh following is just it's just not linear storytelling for the sake of being not linear. And right. it doesn't have quite the same meaning as some of the other ones. But it's his first movie and it's definitely not a studio movie. They pulled it together over the course of you know a year or something like that, and shot it for just pennies or shillings. I don't know what 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 would be the the penny equivalent in England, but um, yeah, and it's all shot in black and white, and very much has that noir feel to it. And um, it's worth seeing, especially if you like Christopher Nolan. I would I would definitely recommend you know watching it on Netflix. It's really short. Uh, I think it's only like 70 minutes long. Yeah, I'll just so, have to watch that. Yeah, I, it's it's worth your time, especially like Dr. Jace, I would say for you, as, as someone who's followed him and, and likes his movies, I think it's yeah, definitely well, worth your time. Christopher, pretty much if Christopher Nolan's name's on the film, then I'm probably at least going to see it, unless it's, unless it's just something I really am opposed to. Just because as of right now, well, we'll get to it, there, there's even, even the films that... Um, are in his lower tier in my mind um, are still interesting to talk about. Well, do you want to do the rankings right now then? Sure. Yeah, I mean, if Dr. Jace is in an episode that has lists, I mean, ranking is going to be involved, right? So, <laughs> yes. All right. So you want to start at the bottom and work your way to the top or you want to start at the top and work our way to the bottom. Interstellar will not be in this ranking. We'll say how it fits in at the end. I like that idea that you said. Yeah. Yeah. So. We'll, we will do this. Outside of Interstellar, we're not considering that because at the end we'll tell you where we think it where we think it ranks. But yeah, let's start from bottom to top. Okay, so for me, I'm starting. 
since you haven't seen Following, you'll only have eight things on your list, I think. No, yeah. you'll have seven. Because Interstellar's yes. not in there. Well, um, do you want to start with top? Because the top will be easier. Okay, well, let's. I, I was just going to say, number nine for me, or uh, out of his. Out of all of the movies, the the one I like the least is Following. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I, and I, that's I, just I, because it's a student film, basically. Right. And right. so, yeah, okay. So from here, we can now we can go wherever you want. Yeah, yeah. So Following is kind of in its own little thing. Yeah. So for, for what's number one for you? Number one for me, I had to really work hard because there were two that I wasn't sure. But I went with Inception for okay, number one. Interesting. Um, all right. And we'll talk about why when we get to it. But, yeah, Inception is number one for me. So how about you? I would definitely have to go number one, The Dark Knight. Okay. Which is my number two. Yeah. Yeah, and Inception is my number two. I debated both of those back and forth, back (laughs) and forth, because I really, really enjoyed Inception. So how I define it is Inception is my favorite original, you know, property. Um, I I thought it was really interesting, creative. Dark Knight, of course, we've talked at nauseum on this on Strange and Aliens about our <laughs> love for the Dark Knight, so we don't have to go into And depth Steve's on not that. here to but take know, the other side, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know what's interesting is um, the, the reason why my 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 interest in the Dark Knight has come up again is because recently the, which is a totally different franchise, but the, recently the Avengers uh, extended trailer came out about Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. and... I really am interested because this character of Ultron, I remember the last time I kind of felt like that about a bad guy was when I saw the trailer of The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. So when when Ultron comes on, there's no strings. You know, he goes into this whole thing. (laughs) The Pinocchio lines. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I, I thought of The Dark Knight. I'm like, the last time I got really excited about a bad guy was The Dark Knight. So, um so yeah, number one, Dark Knight. Number two, Inception. Who, what's number three for you? Number again, this is one that I debated back and forth about. Yeah, um, and it's it's Prestige, though I think, and really? I don't know if it's because that's the one that I watched most recently, compared to I mean, other than Interstellar, which I you know saw a couple days ago. But um, I, yeah, I went with Prestige for number three. How about you? For me, I have Batman Begins. Okay. Yeah, I, I felt first of all. Liam Neeson, Michael, it has some of my favorite actors of all time in it with, um, and Michael Caine. And, uh, I just, I, it's a very, I, you know, as someone who saw the 1989 Batman and also was very aware of all the Batmans up till then, you know, um, this was seeing Batman in a whole different light and I really, really enjoyed it. So what's your number four? The Dark Knight Rises. That's my number four. Yes. See, his Batman trilogy is one of one of my favorite franchises of all time. One of my favorite trilogies. I think it's one of, from top to bottom one of the strongest. I'd put it up there along with Toy Story and some of the others from top to bottom. I, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to ask you right now. Um, as far as trilogies go, is this something you've watched recently, though? Since Dark Knight Rises hit theaters. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Yes, I, I saw Dark, Dark Knight Rises a couple months ago. All right. Yeah, I haven't. I I have not gone back to the trilogy. I I loved it. Yeah, and, I, I, I actually I enjoyed it, it better on um, on DVD than I did in the theater, and I, I liked it in the theater. But I appreciate considering the 
the real problem that Christopher Nolan had with the franchise's most recognized character outside of Batman, the Joker, is the character or the actor dying shortly after or shortly before the release of Dark Knight. Um, He had to do something completely different. I I would love to know what his original idea for number three was. I want I want to know if the Joker was in there at any point. But I thought he did a brilliant job of going in a totally different direction with a physical threat, something we had not seen yet with Bane. I thought that was a very um, smart choice. Okay, so you're, what's your number five then? I would – oh, this one's tough. I would probably have to go with – this one I've debated because okay. there's innovation and then there's just pure enjoyment. I enjoyed the prestige more. So um, that's your number five? That's my number five. I The only issue is is that I actually knew the reveal. In fact, this is when my wife didn't believe me that I could – I figure out even surprise. Well, don't, don't talk about it yet. We'll, we'll get to that when we actually talk about the movies. No, no, no. I, I won't. I won't. Okay. But I, I told my wife before it happened that this was what was, what was going on, and um, and she didn't believe me until the end of the movie. But anyway, so no, that's number six. What's number? Or, Wait, I'm that, sorry, that's number five. Yeah, um, number, five? number five for me is um, Batman Begins. Okay, Batman Begins, and then um, so now we're talking number six. six, and for me, number six is Insomnia. See, for me, number six would be Memento. Okay. So then for you, number seven is Insomnia? Correct. And then for me, number seven is Memento. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and and here's the thing. I, I'm looking at this from, from top to bottom. And, of course, we're not, we're not considering – we've not talked about Interstellar at all in this conversation as far as what the ranking is. Right. But, but looking at this, this list of movies that we've just talked about, these are some – he – I mean, his movies are pretty solid. I mean, even even the ones you, I, I even the ones at the bottom of of my list, I really, I really enjoy. Yeah, I put Memento at the bottom, but that doesn't mean I didn't like it. I mean, yeah, that's I just know. this is this is just getting into nitpicking here. Yeah, you know, oh, which like you said, which one do I enjoy more, or something like that. So. Wait, and, and Memento was my the first movie I ever saw with Nolan, and so you know, um, it really makes you think like okay what in the world is going on i mean it's very yeah. interesting storytelling yeah well and, and you know following was kind of that student film kind of thing and the memento was you know okay he's, he's going up into the the ranks of hollywood here and he, he's actually got a budget behind him he has actors from the matrix you yes. know he, he has he has carrie ann moss from the matrix yep. and oh what's his name uh you know what i mean which character the, the judas character from the Matrix, who ended up being oh, oh, Joey yeah, yeah, yeah. Joey Pantaloni, is that he, you say yeah. his name? But he also has um, he also has Georgia Fox from CSI. Okay, but Guy Pierce. Yeah, Guy Pierce is the lead, but Joey Pantaloni, like they they had someone else they had planned for that role, and he couldn't do it. And then they're like, well, let's get this other Matrix guy in. You know, <laughs> he was kind of forced on on Nolan, but it definitely the reason I went and saw Memento was Guy Pierce and Milman, and Matrix. Actors. Yeah. Well, no. See, the reason I saw Memento was because of Guy Pierce because I think I had just seen L.A. Confidential, and that's where I was introduced to Guy Pierce and Russell Crowe. 
I was, that's the first time I ever. Oh, okay, yeah. Saw, that's the first time I ever saw Russell Crowe, and of course they had um, 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 oh the. Uh, Are you talking Ellie Confidential again? Yeah, Ellie Confidential is um, Kevin Spade. No, I mean um, Spacey. Spacey, thank you. Yeah. I. So, I, I don't know I saw, if I've seen that. I saw um, Memento because of getting to see Guy Pearce in that movie. I'm trying to remember what I would have seen Guy Pearce in before. That's that's what the first thing I that's the first thing that I remember seeing him in. Okay, but but is he was he is he Australian like Russell Crowe? No, he's from England. I think. No, wait. I think he is. I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say one way or another. Cause no, no, no. I. I I think it's kind of like one of those Mel Gibson things. I think he was like born in England, but then he was raised in Australia or something. But I, I think I remember him being in Aust- something to do with Australia because that's I remember the Russell Crowe connection there. That's what I remember. I don't know. So Memento, though, I see this movie and I just think this is it was one of those time shifting things, but it actually the time shifting fit into the plot. Because you have a guy who has no short-term memory, yeah, and so you're seeing, you know, you're seeing things move forward, but you're seeing kind of the scenes move backwards as well. And so a scene will you know, start, and he's like, he's holding something. Wait, how did I get this? You know, and and like one one scene, he has a bottle of wine. He's like, I don't feel drunk, but then you realize there's guys coming there to kill him. He had picked it up to you know fight them, and so there's just that kind of thing, and it was really tight. And that was the thing that impressed me is that this was this is difficult storytelling here. See, no, yeah, but here's the thing: I don't think if he had if he had not done Memento, I don't think he could do it Inception because Inception is kind of a yeah. similar fashion, and that you're kind of like going deeper and sideways, and there's all these multiple universes going on, mm-hmm. and um, and to me. Inception built upon the same type of storytelling as Memento. Yeah. Well, and and then you have Insomnia, which doesn't do that as much. There's a little bit in Insomnia, but of of you know flashbacks toward the beginning that you don't understand what they are yet until you get toward the end, and then you start having things revealed. But Insomnia is this big break with uh, Warner Brothers and like the big studio movie. And it's a remake of a, a Norwegian movie, which I have not seen. Have you seen the original? No, I have not. Okay, I I haven't seen it. I'm interested, but not enough to really work hard at tracking it down. If if I had a a night where nothing else was on and Netflix was limited to a couple movies, and one of them was Insomnia from Norway, I probably would watch it. But <laughs> um, so but it's Robin Williams, yeah, which is- and uh, Al Pacino. Yeah, Hillary which, Swank, which I have not. Yeah, I um. So Robin I, Williams had done that one-hour photo movie. Yeah, no, he did this one first. I think did he? he? Uh, I'm not sure, but they came about the same time because he did two serious ones. <laughs> yeah. back to back. This is his serious phase where he was wanting to be known for doing things other than just crazy comedy. Well, and you and, know what? He did it really well. I mean, yes. if you like, like Goodwill Hunting and. The Fisher King, Good Morning Vietnam, even though he's a little bit more goofy in that one. But it, Insomnia, I liked it. It was intriguing enough not to get boring, even though it's about a guy who can't sleep. 
that's trying to solve a murder. I mean, that doesn't sound like the greatest logline in the world, but yeah, it definitely was not the most interesting. But then when you have Al Pacino and Robin Williams, and then I think I believe Hilary Swank was also in that movie. Yeah, yeah, and she did a pretty good job yeah. too. When you have those type of actors in it, I mean, they can make make a film more interesting. <laughs> yeah, I've heard people complain about Al Pacino just playing Al Pacino in that. I that might be true, but I really liked the way he was playing the part. You know, he's he's a cop who might be crooked, who might not be. You find out towards the end what what's really happening with him, but he he's investigating this murder in Alaska, and he's been sent there because they're trying to get him away from internal affairs in Los Angeles. And yeah, but here's the thing: Al Pacino, even if he is just Al Pacino, is still better than a bunch of other. <laughs> actors in that's many true cases <laughs> yeah so it, it's a good movie it's not one of his greatest movies but again you know we're talking about someone whose film catalog the lowest ranking doesn't mean it's not worth talking about right so yeah most of his films are, are talk worthy I and mean, people like to argue you know they definitely get you talking so you go from Insomnia to Batman Begins, which Batman Begins, that was the, you know, kind of the, the reboot. But they were talking about a Batman movie with Darren Aronofsky, who had also done a couple movies similar in tone to what Christopher Nolan had done. You know, Pi and The Following, they feel like a very, you know, they're of the same piece. You know, black and white, kind of bleak, um, but weird and oddball and, and is, wait, is Aronofsky is he, he's the one that did Noah right he is yeah yeah I'm so glad he did not touch Batman <laughs> well you know he, the rock monsters might have been cool in Batman but, <laughs> yeah. um yeah. yeah okay so but yeah we're here into Batman Begins then and people are like okay Darren Aronofsky he could do some incredible stuff Darren Aronofsky went on well we're not talking about him uh so Batman Begins then is handed over to Christopher Nolan and I'm thinking Okay, the memento guy. Not the insomnia guy. <laughs> He's the memento guy in my mind. But um, So are you excited about this Batman movie that's coming out here in a couple years that's rebooting it and it's by the guy who did memento? How absolutely. are you feeling, Dr. Jace? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, it had been so long. I mean, I, quite, I mean, let's be honest. Anything was going to be up from Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah. There, so there was... So anything was going to be an improvement on that. And there was still some of that nonlinear storytelling going on in Batman Begins. Well, not, yeah. not quite the extreme, but just enough to get you interested. Yeah. How do we get to this point? What's going on here? Um, and he goes from Batman Begins, brings uh, up, brings along Christian Bale, brings along uh, or, or hires rather Wolverine and um, and Black Widow. So we have, yeah, Star- Scarlett Johansson is in Prestige. Oh, 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 oh. yeah. Wait, so talking, he's okay, sorry. He, he brings Batman, hires Wolverine, gets yeah, Black yeah. Widow and Alfred, and yeah. uh, Gollum. Yep, that's true. <laughs> to, I mean, the Prestige, the cast is incredible. Oh yes, it is. It's dynamic. So, um, how are you feeling about Prestige? What do you What do you like about it? What What do you not like? You said um, you, you said you called the ending. And well, I don't yeah. mind spoiling. We just need to let people know that we're spoiling. Because these are some pretty crazy spoilers on this one. Yeah, well, 
first of all, there were two films that came out about the same time. There was this, and then there was The Illusionist. Ugh, yeah. And so, so there were very well. I'd say they're similar in in kind of genre and concept, and they both had twists. Because um, they dealt, they both dealt with magic. Yeah, in like the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, when it was, yeah. and the illusionist was with Ed Edward Morton. Yeah, and the, honestly, that's all I remember about. No, I remember two things about the illusionist: Edward Norton, and not really being impressed with him in that movie. And they used some old timey camera transitions and stuff like that. So like a, they they do the the kind of um, that circular camera wipe. Yeah, and, and go to black, and then they'd open it up again, and and that kind of thing. That's all I remember about that movie. And, and unfortunately, I think I saw The Illusionist first, and so to me, there was so many. And I, I wonder, I was curious to know, and maybe someone knows this. I was wondering if this is where Christopher Nolan got really secretive with his projects, because he tends to have this really secretive, tight-lipped thing with with his projects. I mean, maybe not as bad as JJ Abrams, but well, here's the thing. It's based on a book. And so a lot of the twists, I haven't read the book, but I've heard people talking about it. A lot of those twists in the prestige are in the book. Uh, so it's probably one of those things where the one studio, this happens all the time. One studio hears that the other studio is doing a project. So they pick up something similar. I think so. Like for instance, I remember the year the Braveheart came out, you had Braveheart, you have Rob Roy, and then you had Dragonheart. Well, Dragonheart isn't... No, no, but the concept that we now know, but at the time, if you take the concept of this type of thing, it was still in the same genre because I remember, I remember this is back before everything was on the internet. USA Today always does this huge, or did this huge movie breakdown and they had how all these different copycat movies were coming out and so they had Braveheart, Dragonheart, and Rob Roy all next to each other. So they're like, oh, well, obviously Rob Roy and Braveheart are a little bit more similar in tone. But then you have Braveheart and Dragonheart. Oh, yeah, with title, yeah. Well, and, yeah. And time period, I guess, too. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think yeah. it's time period. We need to do something similar but different. Yeah, well, and then you have you know Deep Impact and um, uh, that other meteor movie. Wait, you're talking oh, about- Armageddon and Deep Impact. And yeah, then you have uh, Wyatt Earp and Tombstone. Yeah. And those two volcano movies that I just didn't care about at all. And volcano didn't. and Saint uh, Saint something or other with, uh, yeah. Yeah. So with I'm, James Bond. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Pierce Bronson. It happens yeah. all the time. Happens all the time. Yeah. So anyway, with Prestige, though, the twist is that the, the movie actually changes genres on you almost. Because it starts out and you're in a historical fiction movie, and then all of a sudden it turns to a different genre. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. But um, oh, you know who else you have in this movie? Then David Bowie. Okay. Oh yeah, David Bowie. David Bowie playing Nikolai Tesla. Yep. Yep. And he's awesome. The, wait, the only thing I remember David Bowie is from this, and then Labyrinth. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And two very different performances. Let's just go with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I really like The Prestige, though. I did, too. I enjoyed it. And, of course, I mean, the cast is just amazing. (coughs) But not just the cast for me. For me, the themes and idea here of of what a prestige, you know, 
you have the promise or the pledge rather and they're talking about what is a movie or what is not was we what is a uh, magic trick you have the pledge the promise of what you're going to do and then you have the the turn where you do it but you add to it you know and then you have the prestige where you make this ordinary thing extraordinary and you bring it back and it's you know i look at that and it, you know that storytelling right there you know, you start out with this ordinary thing, but you're promising there's going to be something more. Then you have the turn where you're kind of you know, flipping it on its head. And then you have the prestige where you, you know, you you turn it into something extraordinary. So it's not just an action movie, but it's an action movie with this really heartfelt ending or something like that. And you have act one, act two, act three. And this is where with the prestige, I really felt like he was making a movie about storytelling. Mind you, um... He has another movie in you know in just a couple more years that is really really about storytelling. Well, uh, and that's where because then after Prestige he goes to the Dark Knight, which we all know about. But what I thought was impressive is after the Dark Knight, which was the pinnacle of the Batman trilogy. Not only that, but one of the best sci-fi fantasy comic films. In a very very long time, I would even uh, say maybe even ever one well, of no, one know. of the best ever. It's not definitely the one best, of the best but... ever. But then when people are like, "Well, how do you top that?" He comes out with Inception, yeah, which was a game changer. I mean, and that which of course is an amazing cast as well. I mean, actors you can say even if you don't like Christopher Nolan, actors like to work with him because he gets some A list guys. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I look at Inception as again looking at Memento. This is Memento. I don't even times eleven, I guess. And but the storytelling here is so dense, and it works. I mean, you might not like the movie. But it works. Even if you don't like it, you have to admit there is some really sophisticated storytelling going on here that's captivating and energetic and interesting. And and if you don't like one part, don't worry. You'll be in another part soon enough. <laughs> and, and you'll like that. Yeah. The visuals are stunning. And the storytelling device gives you such a diverse... Um, view i mean the, the the trailer alone got your interest i mean when that city mm-hmm. folded upside down and when there's that fight in the hallway uh where they're kind of floating through i mean it's just it's just amazing not only that but you have you have the a-listers you have leonardo dicaprio and then you have uh, you know you always have the, the people he, he tends to work with the same people like cillian murphy and all that stuff but yeah then you see tom hardy who was really an Ellen Page? Yeah, well, and, and Tom I, Tom Harding's coming back, and you know, with with Dark Knight Rises, but um, in Inception, well, I so felt does, like the performances. So Joseph Gordon. So, oh, that's Gordon, right. Yeah, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Uh, but the performances they're giving, they're losing themselves in the parts. Other than Leonardo DiCaprio, because Leonardo DiCaprio, he can't be anything other than Leonardo DiCaprio. Not that he can't act anything other it's just when you see him he's leo just like tom cruise as good of an actor as he might be he's tom cruise in every movie now just because you can't see past the 
the facade that that he's built in 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 public life and but yeah i just inception just blew me away when i saw it it blew me away when i watched it again um and yeah i just i just really really like that movie a lot uh any other any other words about inception here no was michael kane in there in inception yeah i don't remember I don't think I just want to think he's in every one of <laughs> his movies, but uh, I don't remember. Yeah, no, he is. I think he is, but I can't remember the the um, the character he plays. I'm fairly certain he's in the movie. Well, I'll look it up. So next we have Dark Knight Rises, which okay, not as phenomenal as the Dark Knight. But that was unfortunate that it was just following up that movie. Yeah, I mean, if that would have been the second movie in the franchise, people would have been like, oh, this was awesome. But it just happened to follow... Not only did it follow The Dark Knight, but it also you you don't have Heath Ledger, which was just an, an, an immense figure in... Um, in the Dark Knight, I mean, he just was, he was phenomenal. Well, and he was a big reason why it was, why the Dark Knight was as good as it was. And Dark Knight Rises, I know a lot of people felt left down. But, again, I look at that movie and I think, okay, it might be the third worst movie in the trilogy. That doesn't say much to me. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not, you know, it's good. I liked it. It's not the greatest and maybe it could have been better. And there's things I wished that they had done that they didn't do. Like, I didn't like the idea of him not doing anything for eight years. So that was, but that was me. And that's not the movie he was making. Right. And again, if this was a larger Batman universe, I'd have a bigger problems with some things, but because it's a self-contained story, I just look at it as one of those, you know, they do comic books all the time where they just have its own run and then it's its own universe. Yeah, yeah. And that's what this is. This is that version of that character. And we're taking him from point A to point B to point C. And that's the story we're telling with it. And I like that too. You know, you can tell multiple different Batman stories. You know, an Adam West Batman movie is enjoyable and it's its own thing. And so this is Christian Bale. It's enjoyable. It's his own thing. So. Well, The Dark Knight Rises was in 2012, and then his next film... <laughs> you were talking about Secrecy. Was Interstellar. Yeah. You were talking about Secrecy. This is the one. Did, what did you know going in to Interstellar? I didn't know anything. I mean, okay, this is what I knew. I knew it was about space. I knew Matthew McConaughey was in it. He was leaving his daughter... Which so I figured he's he's has to do something because you see pictures of him on other planets with a big wave. So I figured that there has to be some he's trying to help the Earth somehow. And I knew without knowing, I knew that Michael Caine would be in the film. <laughs> and he was, he was, yeah, um, yeah. I somehow avoided a trailer that I heard some people talking about afterward. You know, showing the alien landscapes and stuff like that. All I knew was there were rockets and corn and Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really, 
Come on, you had to know Michael Caine was in there. Well, I figured Michael Caine, and I think somehow I knew one one way or another. I knew that Michael Caine was in there, but um, as in fact, I'd, I'd like to see Michael Caine's uh, IMDb to see if um, <laughs> how many non Nolan films he's done in the last eight years. Well, I've I've got it right here. Let's see. Now you see me too. Uh, that's, that hasn't come out yet. Interstellar. Oh no, he's got quite a few here. Interstellar, Stonehurst Asylum. Before that, Last Love. Before that, Now You See Me. Before that, Dark Knight Rises, Journey Two, The Mysterious Island, Cars Two, Romeo and Juliet, Inception. Holy cow! I mean, first of all, I've known Michael Caine's been around for ages, yeah. but this man, even at his age, he's still working. Oh, he's working quite a bit. Let's. I don't know. He needs to sleep. Actor credits: one hundred and fifty-nine actor credits. That's just ridiculous. Uh, dating back to 1950. Good grief, that man. And he's looked the same for the last three decades. Anyway. <laughs> or close to it, yeah. Um, and sounded the same, too. I wish I could oh, yeah. do a Michael Caine. His voice yeah. is so yeah. awesome. Yeah, he's got a he's got a tremendous voiceover voice. He's good. <clears throat> So I was happy to go into this movie not knowing anything and not reading any reviews and um, did it. Okay. So I went in not knowing anything, but I went in with pretty high expectations. And I think that's one problem with Interstellar is it suffered from Dark Knight Rises-itis. This is a, I'm looking at Interstellar as a follow-up to Inception, just as I was looking at Dark Knight Rises as a follow-up to Dark Knight. Dark Knight Rises was not the next movie after Inception, even though it really was. Inception was its own thing. Dark Knight Rises was the Batman trilogy or the Dark Knight trilogy. So Interstellar, I'm looking at as, okay, it's his original story. You know, you had Inception and now Interstellar, and that was a problem. It ended up being a real problem for me is it wasn't Inception. I had to keep putting that out of my mind. What were your expectations going in? Um, because I didn't know much about the story, I didn't have as much um, expectations there. I just know that uh, I, I've enjoyed his storytelling up till now. So my expectations were very vague, but I would say I was very expectant. But I wouldn't say that they were like through the roof high because I just didn't know enough about it. And part of that was on plan. I, I didn't want to know anything about it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I was glad. Uh, I was glad that I missed that second trailer, even because I know going in, he's going to try to mess with my mind. It's not always going to be as it as it looks. So I wanted to, as little amount of information as possible. So the movie starts, and, and so the setup: we're in the future, crops are dying, and so the human race is in danger. Which I thought was really interesting because it sounds like they're getting real life interviews from people who lived through the original Dust Bowl. Yes, but obviously because of their style and everything like that and the fact that it was such a clear video that they were given the interview for, you know, there's something else going on there. There's it, That was cool. I mean, the Earth stuff, I liked it. You had all these huge dust storms. I mean, basically it's, you know, it, it's the, the climate change well, worst well, nightmare. Okay, well, Ben, you, you keep kind of prefacing – you keep talking about as if, you know, you kind of like this, but it sounds like you really didn't like it. So I, it's hard to, it's hard, it's easy to know that 
it really didn't meet your expectation from what I can hear. So I'm just going to ask you. Yeah. Where would you where would you rank it in the whole list of movies? Oh, that you oh okay. Well, I place it. It's it's hard. I think I'm going to place it above Batman Begins, but below Dark Knight Rises. So that'd be right at number five, I think. Like right smack dab in the middle. Okay. So still, you really still enjoyed it, but it was not Inception. So that was the issue. That was the issue. Here's what happens. When I realized that he was making 2001, this was his 2001. And when I kind of hit that point in my thinking, I started realizing, okay, so this is going to be, it's going to get trippy. There's going to be weird sci-fi things happening. Um, at, at the Earth stuff, I wasn't prepared for. I knew there was corn because I saw that in the trailer. But I wasn't prepared for some of that. And and then it started world building. And I'm getting into it. And then they go into space. And, I'm, and it's kind of taking that kind of um, pseudo-realism with space where anytime they cut to outside the ship – no sound. It's like, yeah. No sound. Inside the ship, vibrations. I mean, it, there are some parts where I was shaking in my seat. I didn't see this on IMAX. I didn't see it in, like, any special theater. This was 2D, regular theater, and I'm shaking. My chest is thumping in some of these rocket scenes that they're going. And it reminds me of Gravity. Have you seen Gravity? Yeah, I have. Okay. But, yeah, basically Interstellar. It's kind of a combination of a billion different movies from Gravity, 2001, Apollo 13. I mean, there's all... Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Contact. Yeah, Um, Contact. There's tons of them. So, okay. So, you would rank it number five. That's interesting. Yeah, right right in the middle. See, I had the opposite. I actually really enjoyed the Earth stuff. I didn't know how much time we were going to spend there. But to me, that really kind of grounded the story. Oh, it did. It absolutely did. Uh, because you have things about looking up, you know, and and life is – we used to look up and dream about where we were going to go. And now we're looking down and just trying to figure out how can we survive in, where we are. In the dirt, yeah. We're, see, there's a ton of really good um, – see, what I was trying to figure out. There's a lot of really good lines, a lot of good philo- uh, philosophical uh, thoughts, and I was trying to figure out where they're going with it. Yes. And I had the exact yes. same thought. I go, he's trying to make his 2001. You know what clued me in big time on this? Because you've seen 2001, right? I have. Okay. He has um, – oh, what are the names of the robots? Al? Or, um, Dave? No, no, oh, in, no yeah. in, in, in Interstellar, I mean. But oh, the, um, Case and... Um, yeah, well, okay, but the robots anyway. They are a combination... Tars? Yeah, Tars. 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 Yeah. The, Case and Tars are a combination of the monolith and Hal. Yeah, I, I know, but that's I mean, what was so interesting. They are they, shaped like the monolith. Yeah, but they... they and I was expecting yeah, him to go crazy. I'm going to do a I'm going to do a spoiler here. So if you're, if you're oh for Interstellar, we're totally spoiling Interstellar. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so they totally set you up to think that the robots are going to be bad, just like 2001. <laughs> they totally set you up by yeah. like, when he when they 
when he get him and his daughter first go in to this secret place and you see this robot, he goes, "You shouldn't be trusting the government. They're they're uh, they're glitchy or or they're not trustworthy or they're something volatile or something like that." So they, the whole time you're sitting there waiting for them to betray everyone or like kill them in their sleep. And so, do you want to know what my ranking is? Yeah, yeah. Okay, when you said when you transition, this is not Inception. This is 2001. Well, I clued in very early on that this was 2001, and I went, "Oh crap!" Because <laughs> I hate 2001. I think it's the most overrated sci-fi film of all time. One of the most boringest movies ever made. I I know this, this about you, Doctor Jace. And this <laughs> this whole this whole movie for this big giant domino. I mean, oh my word. So I would say I would rank Interstellar out of of the eight that I've seen, including Interstellar. This would be number eight. It is the worst, most boring film of the entire lot. Now there are still some visual stunning things. I thought the performances were good. In fact, I thought there were some really interesting story moments. Yes, but where it went off the rails for me when he said our place in the dust and they're trying to reach out to us i'm sitting there thinking oh there's a possibility that he can really add to the sci-fi lore and do something different he went and did exactly the same thing that everyone else did and that is all this film was was we are doing it ourselves we are going to make a way we are the ones who did all of this stuff yes us from the future it's humanistic crap, and it was unoriginal. Where he, yeah, one of the things I love about Christopher Nolan is that he always goes beyond. He always cut, and this basically was a retread of every other or a, a lot of other sci-fi films that have gone before it. So the moment it went there, it was like screeching halt to me. Well, and I think you're not alone there because, especially. <laughs> You you say you can you can predict where movies are going to go and, and and that kind of thing in some of, some of those movies. This one, I knew where it was going when I started seeing. Okay, as soon as they were given coordinates to go to, I'm I'm thinking, okay, no, that's from himself. Well, yeah, you know, because it's these specific coordinates, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, okay, is there some sort of backwards time thing going on here that could be interesting. And if you know anything about foreshadowing at all, when it comes to storytelling, when she starts talking about ghosts and when the dirt and when the book falls yeah. off and the dad's not listening, you know, now, you know. But I don't have a problem with that. Okay, no, no. I, I don't mind that necessarily. But here's where I did have a problem is when his daughter realized it was her dad. It felt like the movie was just saying, "Okay, the audience already knows, so we're just going to let her know now too." And, yeah. And the re- the moment of revelation is weak. It's just her sitting there and going, oh, "It was Dad," and there's no like clue that he yeah, gives no, her or anything. No, no. And here's the thing: that revelation was 25 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, par- partially. I mean, it was 25 yeah, minutes yeah, long because you're seeing moment, him do the things behind the scenes yes, too. But, but the moment he ends up in this thing, you know what's going on. Yes. And it's this long, drawn-out revelation where usually his revelations just kind of hit you in the face and are like, 
oh, wow, that makes sense. But here's why. 2001. What's the last 20 minutes of 2001? It's all of the psychedelic, psychedelia stuff going on around Dave and as he's going through the monolith and becoming a space baby. And that's what you have happening with Matthew McConaughey here is that long drawn out. He has to figure out where am I in space and time? I fell into a black hole and oh, there's TARS. Is that, was that the one? Uh, TARS. Yeah. Yeah. And, and TARS is there (laughs) to totally just be like, I analyzed everything. Here's your answer. And then Matthew McConaughey is the one who takes it and adds heart into it. And and we're going to put it in a watch, which I didn't mind. But again, it's just <laughs> it was set up at the very beginning. It's it, it was Chekhov's watch right there. I know. I, and, usually, I can bind to a lot of stuff. I just felt like the threads were very thin. Yes, and, very thin. And, and, and I would say, I, <laughs> oh, go ahead. I, I, I would say I did. I, there was a lot I liked. There, there were there was chunks of the movie that I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. I will say one thing. Uh, first of all, I liked what they did with robots. I thought it was the humor was hilarious. Yes. Um, and the big surprise for me, and I'm sure it was for most people that didn't know anything about this, was seeing Matt Damon pop his head up in the movie. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm like what? Well, <laughs> when he popped his head out, I go, um, that's Jason Bourne. What the heck is going on? And then, so I automatically knew that he was not he was not good because they had to have somebody with weight. Yes, be the bad guy. You had to. And so they bring in this guy and yeah, as soon as you see him, you know he's Hal then. It, exactly. You and know. that's what was so in that was an interesting moment. Because up until then, you think, or at least they try to lead you to think, that the other um case or that other robot, um the one that no no it wasn't case, it was the one that was beat up. The one that was left it, beat well the one that he had that that Matt Damon owned. Yeah, yeah, that maybe they waken him up and then the robot's going to kill everybody or something. Well, and then they turn on its head. And so I, I really enjoy that. Plus, I like the casting because Matt Damon is a hero. I mean, the characters he plays yeah. is a hero. So to see him play a coward was, I thought, a brilliant choice. Yes. But again, they're hanging the lampshade on it then. Once they brought him in as a secret surprise, which, yes, I loved it. It was surprising to me. And when he showed up, I thought, oh, I, maybe I heard something about him being in this movie. But I did not remember anything until he showed up. And I don't honestly don't know if I actually did hear anything about that. But No, yeah. because he's not like um, – yeah, I didn't see it anywhere. There was other surprises too like, um, like Topher Grace was in it too, which <laughs> came out – now, no. he's not like the headliner of some of the others, but – you're like two-thirds of the movie before you even see his face. Well, that was the problem is they didn't really introduce him. And then he was there to help out a little bit. But he was he was very much a functional part of the, the plot. But that was it. He was there to be – I mean he was almost like a robot himself. Yeah. I mean he was uh, – No he was arc a, or anything. He's just there to – He's a day player. Yeah. He's a day player from an acting perspective. And like you said, like Matt Damon, once you have this revelation that he's the bad guy, again, it's like this 25, 30 minute long revelation. Oh my gosh, he's the bad guy. And I'm like. But it was, that was a better revelation though. No, no, no. It was a better revelation. And the build up was good and drama to go along with it. But this is, maybe you can help me with this because I kept trying to figure out 
how did his daughter know that Anne Hathaway was by herself and everybody was dead or the guy was dead and so that he needed to go to her? How did she figure that out? There I, hadn't been- I think literally just the amount of time that had passed because of time dilation that she just thought, you know, be, because, you know, she's dying of old age as she's telling him. And that guy who had gone ahead of them was an older man. I mean, he was he was in Hathaway's age, right? But how? Okay, so I, I think it was more of a. I had some more questions, and I can't remember all of them. At the, but I think it was more of a she, guess or something. But I I like how, did she, how oh. did she know that Anne Hathaway was alive and that she had gone to that planet? <laughs> well, she didn't. I'm just saying, how in the world would you yeah, know that? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, maybe, you know, a hopeful guess kind of thing. <laughs> Everyone else had died. Like, how, how? And that she was on that planet with that guy. I never, I mean, there might be an explanation, but I could, I don't remember. I'm sitting there going, did I miss that? No, no, I. you didn't. It, it was, I, I took it as her saying, look, I'm going to die. You need to go. Um, you're a man out of time now. And if you're going to be happy with anyone, it's going to be going to be with that woman out of time as well. Okay. Yeah. But if it's me and my supposedly dead dad, who's the same age, you know, as when he left, uh-huh. basically arrives in the middle of the vacuum of space and no one else is around, my assumption is that everyone else is dead too. Yes. Well, that would be the assumption. Although possibly she could have sent a message because they were sending messages from those planets through well, no, the wormhole. They so were sending them out, but that, I didn't think they could send them back. Well, I think that that I think that she was sending a message out, so they knew she was alive. That that okay. The but movie did, the movie does not tell us this, but based on all the other stuff that had happened, because they were sending data from the planets. So she could have been also sending some of that data and saying, I'm here. He's not alive anymore. But I just uh, – it, it, the movie doesn't tell you. And it, at this point, it's more about philosophy and idea than it is which, about which drove story. Me, the, the philosophy behind – I actually preached about it this last Sunday. I didn't, I didn't give any spoilers away, but I talked about the sci-fi genre because we're doing a series called Fairy Tales and Fallacies. And um, and so I, I talked about this example in sci-fi, how it's, just, it's all about us. It's all about us. We, we are the pinnacle of creation. We're going to do it ourselves. And that never is fulfilling. It's never fulfilling. When I see it in these films that we are the pinnacle and this is all we have to look forward to is us doing it ourselves, it's so hollow. It's so... Bogus. Yeah, but Inception tries. It tries to go beyond what you're saying there. I'm right. not saying it works, but then – do you remember um, – No, but that's – what I'm, what I'm saying is Inception actually does help you to begin to kind of look beyond that. But in, it, but, but then wraps itself right back around to that original But Interstellar doesn't do that. Interstellar is like this is the drum that's been beat. This is the 2001 <clears throat> drum. Except for one thing, Dr. Jace. And I'm trying to remember the name of the movie with Bruce Willis, the sci-fi movie. 
fifth element? Yeah, fifth element. And do you remember what the fifth element is, Dr. Jace? I remember... Um, it's love. The fifth element is love. All the other elements of the universe, but you have the fifth element, and that's love, Dr. Jace. And they tried to do that in Interstellar. Anne Hathaway has that one speech about love being the one thing that allows us to see beyond our three dimensions, and it breaks the barrier of time and space. Love yeah. does it, Dr. Jace. <laughs> but but that's the whole point, is it's... <laughs> Love, the, their type of love is a love that, like Matt Damon said, is evolution has ingrained in us something that we can't get out, that it's there. Well, if it's just kind of come out of nowhere, then it doesn't mean anything. Right. Well, but he goes into the black hole and is taken to that point in time or that point in space, rather, where he's able to influence with his daughter. You know why? Because of love, because of love. Dr. Jace. Because of love, man. It's love. And humanity in the future is reaching back to protect humanity in the past so they're pulling Matthew McConaughey in to allow him to get, be guided by love Dr. J. I mean they tried and and so I thought her speech was just that was the end of her speech when Matthew McConaughey kind of says no evolution or whatever but then they bring him and you realize oh she was kind of setting up where they're trying to take the movie and it's that fifth element, man. It's love. Yeah, but it's and stuff it, that we made up. It, it crumbles, it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, the whole thing is, is... That idea, that part of the theme just crumbles under the weight of the movie. The movie yeah, is not like, supporting that at all. Yeah. It, 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 no, the, the movie is definitely talking and doing the things that you're saying. Yeah. It just tries not to, but it's it's like... You know, if you're gonna build, if you're gonna build a pyramid, you know, but you're gonna try and build it with round stones, you know, you're not gonna make it. I'll also say there was a, that. That's kind of the theme, but there was a pivot point in the film that that rang hollow to me when they go to this um, go to this planet. All right, there's a planet. Which one? The one that where the time dilation is for every hour they're down there is like seventy years or oh, something. Yeah. What a tense scene, though. Okay, right. Yeah. So, all right. So they go down. They leave one man in the spaceship, knowing, and he knows he's going to be waiting there for a long period of time. Yes. And here's the interesting thing that we already know about him. He's already freaking out because of space because he's freaked out that there's only millimeters of things between him and nothingness mm-hmm. so he's kind of freaked out about it so the only thing we know about him is that he's smart and that he's freaked out about space so that's the guy i'm going to leave up in space <laughs> by himself for decades <laughs> so they go down to the earth and then everything kind of go, or go down to the to the planet things go sideways by the time they get back up it's been 23 years and he's waited this entire time mm-hmm. first of all there wasn't a foreshadowing that he has that type of character or they could have shown him a little bit waiting and, and struggling a little bit, but there was nothing. It was like they left him. He came back and he's like, I waited for 23 years for you. And then they just moved on. Yeah. And there's a lot of that kind of thing where, yeah, they could have come back and shown him, but then we're in a three hour movie, man. I mean, well, it's hey, two hours and 40 minutes here. They could have cut three minutes of that of one of those twenty five minute reveals and shown him. 
Yeah. Because it didn't no, ring true. No, I agree. <laughs> it didn't ring true at all. I'm like, he doesn't look 23 years older. He does to me, I mean, I don't know a human being. I mean, even the, 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 the most noble human being, after after a year, after five years, I'm thinking they're dead. Or I'm thinking, I need to get out of here. You right. know, I, it just didn't ring true the at one, all. The one thing that gave him motivation, though, was he was sending data about the black hole back to Earth through the wormhole. Yeah. And, and so that was, that, was his, that was his motivation for what is he going to do staying on the ship. But at the same – and they did mention it that he did sleep a little bit of the time. But no, this guy yeah. should have been crazy. They should have yeah. come back and found him hair out to here, nails out to there, um, naked, and just like, oh, you're, you, you're coming – you're back? What? Yeah. <laughs> there, there, something. Something. It just was not believable. They go, they go down there and he comes back and all you get is – it's been 23 years. I never thought you were coming back. Yeah. Hi. If you never thought they're coming back. <laughs> There'd be some surprise there. You know what I mean? It just yeah. – I was like, this is – for for as interesting as characters as, as Christopher Nolan has in his films, that was yeah. a thud. But again, I, I here's one thing. I'm kind of – maybe I'm making excuses here, but um, – you are. I am. <laughs> but he he's making 2001. He's making a Kubrick film. I think he's, he's trying to good. make – Well, but I'm I mean making... a Kubrick film is not emotional. It's cold. It's sterile. It's it's genius in some – I mean I haven't seen every Kubrick film but you know most of what I've seen of his work, 2001 is a work of genius that's really boring that I say, yeah, you should watch it once if you like sci-fi. Because if you watch it, you'll understand some of the things they're doing with Interstellar. You know, um, Again, if you're a sci-fi fan, I think you need to see Interstellar because it's interesting enough. There's cool visuals. There's yeah. there's a few good performances. There's some interesting conversations. And but you were talking about the sci-fi stuff with the time dilation, and they go to that planet and they realize the data it's been sending back to them saying the planet is good. Which which, which okay, ben, she was just landed there 20 minutes ago. You know that kind ben, of thing. I, I know Ben. This was I was pulling my hair out because I'm not a rocket scientist. Okay, but when they're debating these planets, mm-hmm. planet or the other planet, I even know with the information that I know that that woman just got there. Yeah. So the information she's sending up, we don't really know if it's accurate or not. <laughs> There's not. A, she has not been there long enough. So if you have a hope of one. And you're going to lose de- potentially decades. decades. Yes, I mean they were hoping they had a plan, but yeah. I mean, to me, that makes no sense. You go to the planet where it seems like everything is okay. You don't waste decades down there because they're like, well, if <laughs> tell me this logic does not connect. It does not make sense because when they said when the guys arguing, if we go to this other planet, it. Can you imagine how much time it's going to take for us to come back to this planet? They have to come back anyways because of the black hole. But you're telling me it's going to take less time to spend 23 years on the planet because they're – you and I know you can't go to an airport and not spend two or three hours. Well, that's just it. I mean they're saying we're going to go down, grab the stuff and come back up and they yeah. – um, Yeah, but, but there's no you, – if you that doesn't make sense. If the lady's down there, all right? You're going to want to see the information. You know you're not going to get up and down that fast. 
the logic didn't make sense. Okay, make it five years or make it some make it uh, make it more sense. Make it because I'm sitting there going, you guys are idiots. She just got down there. Why would you waste this time? Go check out the other place. She's just arrived. But but here's a big thing, Doctor Jace. A big reason why this happened and why that choice was made. It was a plot choice, not a character choice. This was to get them to lose that much more time on Earth so Michael Caine yes, can die. But, and so that the characters we, can grow older. And But I have faith in Christopher Nolan's storytelling that he can come up with a better device. Because, first of all, it's not in my mind, it's not like The Dark Knight Rises where you wonder, how did Batman get – how did Bruce Wayne get back to Gotham? To me, I, I, I wondered, but he's a billionaire. He's probably got a million resources all over the world. Mm-hmm. So that to me, I'm like, yeah, they don't explain it, but he's Bruce Wayne. What? I mean, he just climbed out of a pit. You don't think he can get to Gotham? You <laughs> well, know what I mean? Yeah, but to here's, me, you're right. That's a plot. That's a potential plot hole, but you can get over it because it makes sense because he's Bruce Wayne. This does not make any kind of sense. In fact, it makes counter sense. And here's here's the thing. I can fix it right now for you, Doctor Jace. I don't think you can. I can. I can ha- I can have the same thing happen, but for it to make you happy. Okay. They're going to – they have a, a choice of two planets. And as they're going to one of those two planets, something hits the ship, something happens where they're put off course and they're caught a little bit by the black hole. And so the only way that they can save themselves from getting on the – going into the black hole and dying – is this one little planet that they can try and aim for. And they get to that planet, but by landing there, saving their lives, they're still losing decades. Yes, that makes sense. And then they're able to lift off and go back, you know, and, and you still have the same choice of which of those two planets are we going to. Yeah. Well, no, but then it's even, character it could, choice, but it's it, also, you, you know. Could even, you can even have had, if there were four potential planets and and they're going to the one that didn't have the time dilation, and the, your your accident happens, and then they end up going this up because by the time twenty three years go on, then the other guy can say, "Hey, this other plan's not viable." We've had twenty three years to realize the only one that seems to be still a go is the man, yeah. Doctor Man's planet. So yeah, I mean something like that conflict, natural conflict. It, the, the, to think you are going to. Because I'm sitting there, we have a limited amount of time. I would rather go to Dr. Man's planet because it seems like it's a go and then have enough time to go to this other planet, which we've lost contact with. But the last we heard was a go. Then to spend it, you could chuck, you could visit both of them in under a decade. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'll say this. I didn't mind the time dilation like you're you're what you pointed out to me just now now it's going to bother me all right why do they even think that they could go there you know you're right they shouldn't have but this is me screaming i'm sitting in the theater going this does not now granted i'm a little bit more attuned because i'm 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 speaking this sermon series about kind of like apologetics and fallacies against the faith like arguments that don't make sense and i teach public speaking so one of the big things I teach my students is fallacious thinking, fallacious arguments, pr- uh, premises that don't even make sense, uh, circular reasoning. 
Now, granted, we all do this to some degree, but in the story, it's so blatant when they're debating. I'm sitting there going, guys, she just got there. You don't have enough information. You can visit the other two planets and not lose any time. If you think you're going to go down, you're going to fly into the planet, fly up in under an hour? Come on. Come on. Well, it, yeah. They were taking the risk because if the planet had been good, though, yeah. But anyway. Even if it just took an hour, it was 10 years. You can go and visit the other planets in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's – yeah. For someone as, <laughs> as good of a storyteller as Christopher Nolan is, because usually the plot holes that people complain about, I don't really argue with because I'm like, you know what? It's not that big of an issue. This was a stark – you could drive a U-Haul through it. Yeah. You sound like Dr. You, – you, like you sound like Steve right now with the driving the truck through the, the plot hole here. But yeah. But anyway, do I recommend it? Yep, I do. But not to people who don't like slow sci-fi. It's a slow sci-fi movie and it's it's trying to be Kubrick. It's trying to be 2001. And in doing so, I think it loses connection with character. And I think it also loses some of the um, – well, that's the primary thing. It loses connection with character. I felt I – I liked the character of the father and the daughter at the beginning and that idea of leaving her and just the sorrow there. I mean I have three daughters myself. Yeah. So obviously I was connecting with some of that. But at the end of the movie, I didn't care about that relationship it just fell flat and felt flat and it shouldn't have because this whole idea of time dilation and we're going to be gone this long and when i get back i'm probably going to be the same age as you those are cool sci-fi ideas and emotional sci-fi ideas that's the thing there's emotion there that could be pulled in and they try and it just kind of fell flat but so i i recommend the movie but definitely not to everyone yeah, I, I, it depends on what you go to see a movie for. When it comes to worldview, this movie stinks. The worldview is just crap. But the uh, first, unless you're looking for that kind of thing, unless you're looking for right. But I'm, I, I don't. I'm never gonna. Someone who's looking for that, I'm not gonna recommend recommend that because because I think that it leads people astray. So I'm not gonna recommend that. However, I would recommend. It, it was interesting for the first two thirds of the film. See, I liked the Earth stuff, and then I got excited when they finally went into space. I even liked. The, to me, the 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 slowness did not affect me. It wasn't until we started to see these these, the, like the big hole in the plot device, that I'm like, okay, this doesn't even make sense. This is really annoying. And then <laughs> when you see, I, I, but then I, I I was like, okay, I'm going to ignore that big plot hole. I'm going to ignore the 23 years and it doesn't feel like that. And then the Matt Damon thing comes out because I'm like, oh, wow, this is kind of interesting. I can ignore these big problems. But then it's like this long reveal. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really boring. I, I already know he's the bad guy. Why are you drawing this out? And then that's when I began to think. I, I kept, it was at that point I made this decision because up until then I'm like, you know what? The slowness I think is going to build up and it's going to be really interesting. So I didn't mind the slowness. But then when it got to that point, I'm going, wow, this is just not going to be as good as I as it should be. That's when I began to realize this is not going to, to be as good as it should be. And then so by the time we got into the 25th dimension, 
that we created ourselves, I'm thinking, oh my word, this is stupid. Yeah, I, I kind of turned on the movie at that point when we get into the black hole. And honestly, the the hell stuff in the movie, The Black Hole, I almost liked better than what Matthew McConaughey was doing in there. But uh, yeah, it just... If it falls under the weight of what it's trying to do and trying to be, I think it's still, I liked the movie in general. I liked it, but as you were saying, it's all these caveats about, well, but this, but that, but I like this, but I like that. So yeah, while we're not exactly at the same level, I think we're kind of on the same page here (laughs) Yeah, as far as that goes. So, um, all right. Well, I think that that's uh, I think that's going to wrap up our conversation here. Then, so any any final word about Interstellar? I would say that I really like Matthew McConaughey in the film, and I especially mm-hmm. like you said, I really connected with the relationship with his daughter. I, I, I having two daughters myself, I, 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 I really hit me, and so that's why you know I don't know. I think it was at the point where she became an adult where I kind of began to disconnect with it just a little bit because it, it just didn't, some of it didn't ring as true, but, um, anyway. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I guess my final word here will be that it moves slow, but there's good stuff along the way. It's a nice trip, but the payoff just kind of, I, I, it just wasn't there for me. And, and the fact that media influences minds the message is a message that corrupts. It's a message that's a lie, and it's a message that's hollow. But it's also a message that's really poorly portrayed. Developed. And so, yeah, you're, you're saying that, and that's true. Um, I think that this one is, as far as propaganda goes, it's weak propaganda. And it kind of, again, like I said, it falls under the weight of what it's trying to say. And a lot of sci-fi can do that too, where it's just we're trying to say this, but it's so poor. You know, it's it's just a weak worldview anyway, so it's hard to even present it. And, but and it hit me at the wrong time because I'm doing this apologetic series. So like the first week we talked about is there a God? The second week we talked about what kind of God is he? So we t- we we literally we went through and kind of talked about how hollow these very arguments are that they're using as the basis of their story. Mm -hmm. So it was so fresh in my mind. And then this is how bad it is. And you know me, Ben. All right. There's a guy in the theater who is on his phone nonstop. It's not that it rings and then he turns it off. It continually (laughs) rings and he talks on the phone repeatedly (laughs) throughout the film. And it was repeatedly during key moments of the film. Oh, and here's the problem that I'm I sorry, had. Man. <laughs> and here's the problem that I had. I was annoyed that the man, and because I, I turned around, and I, I shushed him multiple times, and he still did. He did, ignored. It was other people were searching. He just didn't care. He was. It was. He was like that rare person in the theater who just didn't care. But here's what's even worse. Even though it was at key moments of the film, I sat there and go, "He's not really ruining anything." <laughs> Which is sad because in any other Nolan film, I'd have been pulling my, I'd have been really annoyed. Oh yeah, I, I can't imagine that in Inception. That would have, that would have possibly ruined the movie 
if yeah, that had been happening in yeah, Inception. Yeah, but so. the one good thing that came out of the entire experience, Ben, when I went to talk to the managers about the person on his phone the entire film, they gave me free movie tickets, so I get to go see another film. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, uh, one last word for me. Sorry, the music. I liked it. Again, refer- yeah. it references a lot of other movies, especially 2001, and it, even Solaris, good. too, but um, I like the yeah. music a lot. Music was good. Visuals so. were interesting. The acting was good. There's a lot of technical things that are really dynamic. Good performances. And there were some sound- – I did – I experienced some of the sound issues that people talked about. But, yeah, overall, I liked it. Not, I'm not going to buy it, you know. And I'm probably – I might watch it one more time in my lifetime. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know if I will. <laughs> well – We'll, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. On our deathbed, after time dilation has occurred, and I come to you as a young man, and you're dying, and, and before you send me away, I'll ask you, did you watch it again? Well, I will tell you this. If you put the message in a watch, you're going to die, because I'm, I'm not going to get that. <laughs> so, okay, we're not going to go. We talked about some stupid stuff. That's another one, but well, we're going to move on. So, I think we need to say goodnight. What do you say, Dr. Jace? Good night. <laughs> And Godspeed, everyone. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening. <laughs>